Welcome to Liz Collin Reports. On the podcast, the personal fight of a Minnesota mom injured by the COVID vaccine. Kate Zerby, thank you for being my guest on the podcast. Welcome. Hello. Glad to be here. I know you've been on this journey uh, for quite a while now, nearly two years. Tell us about about your life uh, before it. You were very active, um, and you've said you had the heart of a teenager, quite quite literally. Uh, yeah, I'm always been really active. I some people say I never sit down, which I never did. Um, but I love going to the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness in Minnesota, um, canoeing, hiking, outdoor hiking. Um, just super active, hip hop, all kinds of things. Um, I did have an immune deficiency, but it didn't slow me down in any way, shape or form. It was just that I was sensitive to things like sensitive to medications and sensitive to different foods. And I had to be careful with that, but I was otherwise super active. Like I, I never was at home. (laughs) I was always going out the door. Yeah, when we were talking earlier, I was like, "You really were on, on the go uh, constantly," and this this changed so so much for you. When were you vaccinated? And, and talk about the symptoms you, you noticed uh, pretty early on. Um, I was vaccinated in February two thousand and twenty one. Um, gladly and very willingly did I go because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do what was best for the community and for myself. Um, wanted to travel. And right away, I was really sick the week that I got the vaccine. I had a significant um, head pressure, headache, dizziness. Um, my arm swelled like pretty, it was very red. And um, I had back pain, um, just fever. I just felt like really, really ill. And it took me days to get over that. And it just seemed very like a very strong initial reaction. And so I was a little worried about the second shot because I had Moderna and you're supposed to get it a month later. And I wanted to be able to complete the series. Um, I also that the night that I got my shot, I had woken up in the middle of the night with this like foreboding and doom feeling. It was like 20 minutes of intensity as if someone threw me on the freeway in front of a truck. And I later learned after trying to talk to some doctors about like what I should do, my next step should be. They said that that is something that people feel before a stroke or a heart attack, you know? So they were like, you know, they were trying to figure out if I had an anaphylactic, like a delayed reaction. Yeah. Wow. And so these are are, are things you're noticing. Uh, Who do you turn to, to, to to talk to and and for help? Um, I initially went to my main provider at my clinic um, and talked to her, but you know, so much of everything was remote at that time that she, she didn't get a, you know, she didn't get a listen to me or to look at me in person, but I told her right away what happened, um, and what was going on. And after that initial reaction, I started to have more issues. So I knew that something was completely off. And so I let her know because I was trying, again, I was still trying to figure out if, if, and when I should go for my second dose. Because again, I was still like, I, well, I need to complete this series, but I knew I wasn't feeling right. And I, I just didn't know what to do. So I contacted her and she didn't know what to do either. So then she had me go to an, to an allergist and that allergist wasn't clear. And so then I went to another allergist and they were not sure. He said it was a gray area. So you really struggled to, to find answers and ultimately you decide not to get uh, your second dose, correct? Right. Because of the day that I was supposed to go, I was really dizzy. And that was one of the symptoms that showed up after the shot was dizziness and vertigo. Um, 
And I thought, this isn't right that I feel so dizzy today that I'm going to go. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. I had prayed about it. It just didn't feel like I should go, but I remember feeling really terrible that I couldn't go. And I did still did not know what to do. Like, do I wait longer? And um, I also remember my doctor telling me to call the CDC and ask them. And so I did do that. Like anything my providers asked me to do, I always did it. So I called and asked the CDC and they told me to go back to my provider. Wow. So it's just this this circle you're, you're stuck in. Uh, but, you know, you talk about these symptoms, they, they flared up, but ultimately they haven't completely uh, gone away, but it really changed um, so much for you. You talk about this active life that, that you lived before, uh, being able to hike, go to the Boundary Waters. Uh, you had to skip this tradition of yours last summer, correct, just to, to be able to get better. This past summer I did go, but um, that set me back about three weeks. For about three weeks I could barely walk or lift my legs out of the car. But I went and my kids tried to help me, but the year before I couldn't go. Um, I had had also, you know, I'm very much into data and data gathering. I really believe in data. So I would do any test that they thought would be helpful. And I had luckily, I had had this really great practitioner before I ever took the shot. And a couple years back, she thought she heard a heart murmur. So she sent me in and I had an echo and I had all this workup and when I was there, they were like, oh, we never get to see heart like yours. It's perfect. Bye. You know, and so I had had this baseline, which was so awesome. And I also had a lot of baseline data on how great my heart rate always was. So when I finally did get into the practitioner, I'm having dizziness and headaches and weird symptoms. I had tinnitus um, that was super loud. And for a while, I couldn't talk on the phone easily. Um, when I got into the doctor, she checked me and she said, oh, we got to pull in the EKG chart, uh, cart. And she pulled it in and she said, oh my gosh, you're an atrial fib, like constantly. So then I went in with it for an, an, an echo again, which I'd had before, and everything had changed. I had heart inflammation, I mean, heart enlargement and a constant atrial fib. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, in talking to you earlier also, Kate, um, all of this became so political uh, so quickly, which is part of your frustration. And I think a lot of us share that frustration. You said, you know, you yourself, a, a lifelong Democrat, you turned to the people you voted for, uh, for help. And what was what was their response? I haven't gotten any assistance at all. I mean, um, Tina Smith's office, to their credit, at first um, had me talk to their, like, health aides or whatever, but then they came back and said, there's, we can't do anything for, for you. And I'm not, I'm not the only one who's had this experience. Like, uh, I know a lot of Democrats because I have democratic friends in these groups and yeah, like nothing. And, but I tried calling all the other people and I thought they would be interested because I, you know, I'm a, I loved Paul Wellstone. I absolutely love Paul Wellstone. And I still remember one of his quotes was we all do better when we all do better. And, um, I almost tear up when I think of Paul Wellstone and I just thought, well, that's, they would really want to know that there might be some people who are not having a great reaction. You know, that's not everyone, but for someone like myself, you kind of get stuck then because then what are you supposed to do? Um, and so that's what I was looking for. And I felt like they'd want to be aware, but there's been nothing that I can see that of any interest. How has this experience then changed your political views? 
Um, I think of myself as politically homeless now. Um, I just, I don't, I don't know if I really like the idea of, I don't, I don't think politics should be part of healthcare anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, like caring for people shouldn't be, a, get into the political realm. We're all part of humanity. So that's where I think now. I just, I just want everybody to be okay. So I don't, I don't want, I don't feel like aligning with any side. I know you felt alone in the, in the beginning and all of this, uh, but you've forged some friendships uh, along the way. You have a group that went out to Washington, DC that I think is a, a pretty incredible story in November of, of 2021, but talk about that experience. Uh, yeah, I knew there was a group that was going to go out and they were trying to get some yeah traction so that, that, you know, that our story is out there, you know, there's, always going to be outliers. I, I sometimes talk about it like a peanut allergy. You know, if someone reacted to peanuts, you wouldn't say, well, you better get, you better eat peanuts. You know what I mean? Like we would know that that's legitimate. And so we we're trying to get traction and assistance for some of these people who've had reactions. And so last minute I went out to um, Washington, DC. I kind of, I, I don't know, it just kind of fell into place and it felt like like a God thing, I ended up out there and I met all these other people and it was wonderful. It was like like one of the highlights of my life just to be with some other people that were having a similar experience because it's no fun to be alone. <laughs> it's no fun to be like the one person you're like, am I the only one? Is it just me? And then I got to meet some really incredible people. And through all of this, I feel like you've become a bit of a, a therapist <laughs> to, to others in a way. Yeah, I have. I have. Because sometimes people get really downhearted and they just feel like, well, they're the only one or they don't know where to turn or they don't know what to try. And I tip, I'm just, I want everybody to be okay. You know, that's just where I'm at. So I don't give up easily and I, I will talk people through. And are you doing okay? I know you wanted to, to share a message of, of hope uh, with others, even though you have lingering effects still to this day. Um, I'm definitely doing better. I feel like I used to have palpitations multiple times a day. I'm not having that. I do need to go back into the cardiologist, but I have not yet gone back in. Um, I'm kind of living with my AFib, but I feel like right now it's okay to live with, but I have to take something as for blood thinners. Um, so my heart will probably always be affected. Um, I, I don't know about that, um, but I'm definitely better. I'm back to doing a lot of things that I did before. Um, I still have some issues with the left side. I had problems with like my walking and um, I have, sometimes I have pain. I'm in pain. People don't know I'm in pain. Um, so I am going to be going to PT to try and like strengthen that left side. Um, I can walk okay now, but like going up and down stairs is a difficult situation for me. But you're able to, to work again and, and you kind of just try to battle through every day. Yeah, I did work through the whole time. I luckily I I was able to um, call in sick if I needed to, and I felt supported, you know, where I work. So um, that was I feel lucky that way because there are some injured people who cannot work at all. There was recently a rally at the Capitol uh, against vaccine mandates, and your story is included in this book. It's called uh, Minnesota Faces of vaccine injury, but every member of the legislature has received this book. And I will say it's, it's quite something to, to see all of your stories, uh, laid out there in black and black and white. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, someone like, someone like you, how do you answer that question? Should the, should these shots ever have, have made it to the market? Um, or, or what do you think should happen now? Um, 
My biggest concern has always been like, um, since it's, it's, it's an emergency use and we're use and we don't have long-term data, I would, I would have always wanted to have robust on the ground follow through. You know what I'm saying? Like, like sometimes I'll say, well, there's report I've reported to VAERS and then people say, well, VAERS isn't reliable, even though VAERS traditionally and historically has always been underreported because it's a passive system. Passive systems tend to be underreported. But um, so then when someone says that, I'm like, well, then where is the tracking occurring? You know, so like when I got injured, I didn't have any place to call. I had gone to a pop-up clinic and I was like, well, who do I call? Do I call, you know? I tried to call the Minnesota Department of Health and I think they told me to call the CDC and then the CDC, told, you know, I mean, that just didn't seem like there's on the ground tracking. So I don't know how we're answering. I don't know how we're following this to make sure, as Paul Wellstone said, we all do better when we all do better. So that means everybody. Right. We should be making sure that we're we're tracking everything and, and have a good follow through. And I don't see that. So I, I'm I'm concerned about that piece for sure. And finally, what would you say to anyone else who, who may be injured and who, who may be fearful of coming forward uh, with their story? Well, I think it's really good to get support. A, um, a lot of the protocols and things that I've done that have helped me get better, I've gotten from the support groups, and it's helped me to feel not alone. Um, I think in anything that happens in life, it's always good to have some support. So I would say, I mean, in Minnesota, we have a really nice group. It's called Minnesota Team Humanity. And it's not political in any way, shape, or form. It's not left. It's not right. It's not Republican or Democrat. We're just people um, trying to make things better. Well, Kate Zerby, we certainly wish you well. And thank you so much for sharing your story. All right. Thank you. And that will do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.